Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. Today, I'm joined by Tom Afganikos, a well-known fixture as a trumpeter in the Sydney jazz scene, both improvisationally and as a composer. He's worked with some amazing names, and we will, of course, have links up on the podcast if you want to dive a bit more into that. But of curiosity on the show here today has worked with Josh Meter, who is one of the first musicians we covered on this season of the show, and means that we only had one degree of separation. So that was cool to find out before we got into things today. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on board. I'm really excited. So the first thing I wanted to kind of get into while I was reading through looking at the work that you've done both on your own with Delay 45 and some other musicians is that you, more than anyone else I've seen in the Sydney jazz scene, tend to credit your mentors. And that's something that I guess I feel maybe we should have covered already on Get Get Ready because everyone has their musical mentors. What is so important to you about having mentor figures in developing as a musician? Oh, mentors for me, uh, it's everything. It's like, it's the, it's the gateway into the music for me without mentors uh, you know, without mentors, any musician would never get to the level that they're at. So it's, it's the fundamental, um, starting point for anyone. Um, and particularly here in Sydney and Australia, um, my connection to those musicians, um, is very, very important. Just being able to see them live, Mm. for example, is, is very, very important. And just having that that connection beyond like hearing them on a record, for example. With people from the con like Warwick Alder and your father who partially inspired you to play trumpet back when you were nine years old, those inspirations clearly run deep. How do you avoid when you're looking at someone's work for so long, picking up on their mistakes as well as the best bits? Because that's something I imagine has to come through in the process, right? (laughs) That's true. I mean, you don't have mistakes without good bits, so that's important to remember. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes the mistakes are what makes the, well, for lack of a better word, good bits are better, you know, uh, without, without having that imperfection, you know, you don't, you don't have the beauty in the music. So it's just as important. Yeah. I guess working through, uh, improvisational trumpet, it's an, it's an instrument that I feel would be very difficult to get started in improvising on because it's the kind of thing that just cuts any band that you hear play with a trumpet, the trumpet will stick out immediately you know, what did you learn from those mentors to help you build the confidence to just go out there and play the damn thing uh, when it's so easy to have mistakes heard? First of all, you have to accept that you are going to make mistakes and that's part of the music. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. So for me, I don't really care if, you know, I missed that note or, or whatever, you know, it's not really that important to me. Like the bigger picture is more important to me. But I mean, first of all, like the trumpet's a very difficult instrument technically. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very physical. So just having those solid foundations are very, very important. So I was very lucky to have good trumpet teachers, um, you know, from Warwick Older, like you mentioned. And I had a really inspirational um, primary school teacher uh, who I've, actually, I've completely forgot his name. Um, <laughs> it'll come back to me probably after this interview. Yeah, it, 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 I guarantee you it will. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, through the con, again, it was just lucky to have really good teachers that just honed that technical basis. That, and um, like just being able to have good technique, good sound, um, allows you to execute your 
improvisational ideas better. And today, like most of my trumpet practice or my creative practice is actually just technical things on the trumpet. I spend probably like 80% of my time just going back to those basics every single day. Yeah, like I mentioned, you got to accept that you're going to make mistakes and just having um, mentors and just, just having people that are able to do the thing that you want to do is, is very important. I think the other thing talking about improvisational trumpet that really excites me is for my admittedly extremely timid knowledge of improvisation, one of the pieces of advice I've been given is that you want to kind of have a natural ebb and flow, a breath to improvisational work. But with the trumpet being a wind instrument that you're powering with your lungs, that kind of comes naturally. Is there a different feel that you find comparing yourself to other jazz musicians you've worked with in how improvisation comes out on the trumpet? Mm, that's a good question because I think like the process of learning how to improvise is, is probably quite similar on like across instruments. Uh, but I guess you have sort of certain things on your instrument that will sound better than on others. So that's important. There's definitely things on the trumpet that if I play, it probably won't sound very good on a piano, for example, mm. and and vice versa. So having um, like instrument specific things are important and allows your it sort of is part of your improvisational voice. If I was to go and pick up another instrument, I would probably play things that I would play on the trumpet, just because now that's sort of part of my of my improvisational voice, so pay, playing the trumpet. Yeah, it's almost like an accent in the way you speak, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah, so I think that's, I always find that really interesting, like things that sound good on certain instruments, but not on others. Yeah, I suppose then going over to Delay 45, which is one of your main projects at the moment, working with three other musicians, writing largely improvisational music, as far as I understand. When you're writing in a group for something that is also going to be improvised while you're performing, how do you go about laying those structures? How do you make sure that, you know, your accents, for example, uh, going back to that language example, work together when you're writing? Mm, well, the first thing I would say is that we've played together for a long time. Uh, we met in high school and have been playing together since then. So I think just having that um, sort of intuitive understanding of each other's playing is really, really important. And if there's any young musicians um, out there listening, I would encourage you to do the same, play, play with your friends as much as you can and see if you can develop a musical relationship together because that's really, really important. And like a lot of what we do now is try and not get in the way of that musical relationship, if that, get, if that makes sense. Like if, yeah. I write, if I write a really complicated piece of music then it's going to actually get in the way of the way that we the, the way that we connect in our musical conversations. Mm. So so part of our process is actually just making the music really simple in order for us to be able to communicate freely and and with flow and just to be able to connect um, our ideas together. It almost sounds like learning a language unto itself. Somewhat tangential question, do you think it would be easier for you with these kind of communicative skills as an improvisational musician to pick up a spoken language using that kind of framework? That's an interesting question. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I go, I, I guess, uh, fundamentally it's, it's all about learning, isn't it? Mm. Like learning, learning an instrument is probably, especially like an improvised art form is probably quite similar to, to language, the way we, we learn language. 
Um, for example, the way that I learned jazz was uh, sort of learning what we call the jazz vocabulary, which yeah. is like little um, common phrases that the lick. that um, yeah, like exactly <laughs> like the lick, for example. Yeah, so that that some of the so like the the language that the great jazz musicians have um, accumulated. So a lot of that is is what we learn and spend time on, and that that could be sort of similar to like you learn uh, new words from reading a book, for example. Mm. And once you learn these new words, you know how to form more complex sentences or sentences that have, might have more meaning. So I, I'd say uh, improvisation is very similar to that in that we learn phrases and um, it's just a way of putting notes together. Yeah, and I guess that springs into my, conveniently mind you, springs into my next question, which was about improvising with people that you haven't worked with before because the late 45, you've been working with them for ages compared to, you know, working with new groups that you get partnered up with, new musical opportunities, it would be all about that vocabulary so that you're ready to step into a new environment and have those fundamentals you mentioned ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I have definitely struggled, uh, I must admit, with playing with musicians that I'm not all that familiar with. And I have tried to work on that. And I think part of that has been just putting away almost like your ego, putting your ego aside mm. and actually just listening and uh, really trying to communicate that way, just using your ears as much as possible. Um, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different thing. And having said that, I've also had some amazing experiences making music for the first time with, with someone new. Mm. Um, so it can go both ways as well. And one other thing, and this is just a bit of a curiosity to me as a radio presenter, Tom, and that is, I, as someone who has to edit my voice all the time when I work, has just had to get used to the sound of my own voice. And I'm sure you're familiar with that trope of like hearing your voice back on recording and going, oh, that's that's how I sound. Is it the same for playing Im- improvisational music? Do you listen back and go, oh, oh, what did I do there? Yeah, it's the same except worse. The feeling is worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, something that I've accepted over time, I think. It's and you know, like you obviously get better over time, and and the that feeling goes away a little bit more. And I think um, this upcoming record is maybe the first time that I haven't had that feeling, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely remember when I pushed over that line. Like, you know, some people maybe find it hard to place my accent, and the reason it is is because my accent is just it's it's fake. I made up my accent so I wasn't <laughs> tired of hearing myself speak anymore. And I can imagine that that tipping point was as satisfying for you as it was for me. Oh, I, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the next thing I wanted to ask about talking about working with groups of musicians is that one thing that I've seen in the jazz community, and I mean, not exclusive to the jazz community, mind you, is but everyone has their ex-tet, you know, the Tom of Genikos quintet, for example. And the thing that interested me, in a careers focused light is compared to a lot of other genres where you work explicitly as a band and maybe, you know, you have a front man, for example, do you feel as a jazz musician, you have to market yourself as an individual first because of that kind of virtuosic community that you're a part of? Mm, I think historically as well, it's, it has been like that a lot and I'm not sure why that is. I guess it's, it's probably like you mentioned, just the, the virtuosic type um, energy that that a jazz musician for some reason has to have, <laughs> maybe not has to, ha- maybe not has to have, but um, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, that's a really good question. For some reason, it's always been about 
uh, individual players rather than bands. But, you know, we also have like the, you know, the Miles Davis quintets, which were, you know, a little bit more about the band rather than mm. Miles. It just happened to be that Miles was the one reading, uh, leading it. So I guess there is a little bit of example there. Um, but I think more and more, especially in Australia, we are seeing uh, collectives, like people coming together and, and making music together rather than uh, being more about individuals. Yeah, I think also going back to what you were saying about ego, like because you have to learn how to pull back that ego in an improvisational context, people are used to sharing the spotlight a bit more and, you know, give the other members of their band a chance to shine. And in a community like jazz, everyone knows everyone. So you can get around a bit and make some space for yourself, even though you might not be the one whose name is on the bill, right? Mm, yeah. You're, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, last thing I wanted to leave off today, you've sent in a feature track off your brand new record with the A45 called Hindsight. Tell us a little bit about that song, how you put it together and where that kind of ebb and flow sits for you. Mm. So as I was saying before, a lot of our process is trying to not get in the way of our musical connection. So this song is is definitely an example of that. It's a very simple motif that is shifted around different keys and we use that as the sort of like the the bed for us to explore different textures together and different um, musical ideas um, and that that sort of idea of flow and movement and shape is is really really important and uh, yeah this is an example of that so this is from our upcoming record called Flux which is going to be released in February on uh, Earshift Records and um, yeah this is the single called Hindsight